And, and to me, that sounds like somebody who's quiet quitting the marriage, where it's like they're just kind of resolved to, eh, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm more comfortable in this lifestyle. I don't want to just split up assets. So I, I'm just going to hang here. So you're just kind of doing a bare minimum and checking out. And I think a lot of that can lead to lack of commitment. I just thought it was just now. So this may be horrible podcast material or maybe awesome. I don't know which. Um, probably Go for it, some, babe. Probably somewhere in the middle. Commitment isn't easy, but when you're committed, whatever you're doing is easier. Mm-hmm. You know, you've I'm committed to this. And when you're committed to your marriage, when you're committed to being a servant to your spouse and becoming one and dealing with those unexpectations and growing in holiness, when you're committed to those things, then it's the marriage is going to be easier for you. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Hartman. Hey guys, welcome back to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast. I'm here with my very handsome husband, Brian Harvey. Aw, shucks. And I am Jennifer Harvey. And uh, it's been an interesting year rolling into 2023 because I've just found that my legal practice has just been really busy. And I, I'm grateful for the the work. I'm grateful for the clients. But it's just been a lot of crazy out there. And I have had conversations with people just in regards to different family issues. And a lot of times this is a, a dispute amongst adult family members after a parent's passed away. Yeah. Um, but I, I see a lot of these uh, kind of things too, that are kind of pouring in uh, to the rest of the family. And it, it's just, it's interesting with us having a marriage ministry that, that we're delighted to, to be a part of and uh, really t- tell people uh, what God has for us in these best keys and things to have a thriving marriage. It's one of those things that when I at least am talking to different couples about what are your keys to having a thriving marriage or what are, are some signs of a, of a thriving marriage, something that I'm hearing a whole lot about is saying divorce is not an option. We will never use the D word. We will never talk about divorce ever, ever, ever. It's funny. It, yeah, we talked about that. I mean, our last episode, actually, if you missed it, um, go back and check it out. It was kind of fun when we talked about different comments we've gotten from our Facebook group, signs of a thriving marriage. And yeah, one of the things is like, hey, um, divorce is not an option. Divorce mm-hmm. is not an option. Or um, people love to quote Malachi 2.16, I hate divorce, says the Lord, God of Israel. And it's just like, okay, repeating that over and over again, and divorce is not an option. Yeah, is that uh, like a t-shirt or a bumper sticker or something? It, it, it's it's like this Christian mantra for wet, for marriages in a lot of ways, it seems. It's like, yeah, okay, in, we're just in gonna, the Western church and the American church, yeah. Yeah, so we're just going to say this and repeat this, and then that's going to solve all of our divorce problems. Well, the problem is the last statistic I saw evangelical Christian marriages in the United States, 45% of them are ending in divorce. So clearly it's an option because it's not just an option, but it's an option that's been exercised by a lot of people. And, And in so saying, I'm not throwing shade at anyone, but the statistics are really speaking volumes here. And it's interesting because, you know, many of you know that I have been involved in uh, a lot of family law. I've literally done dozens and dozens of divorces. None of our own. None of our own. Unfortunately, none of our own. Um, But a couple that I'm just thinking of off the top of my head, it was a woman 
where she was very adamant about she will never, ever, ever get divorced. And a lot of that came out of her family of origin because her parents had been divorced. She was raised by a single mom and she didn't want that for her kids. And guess what? She and her husband, who were very, very involved in their church, they ended up getting divorced. And it's so sad time, time again. That, that's re- I, I hate to hear that from your client. I mean, where As she's, do I. she'd experienced yeah. this and had this divorce is not an option mentality, yet still she was in your office dealing with this. And divorce is tragic. It's painful. And no matter how often you say it, no matter what you want to believe it, you can say divorce is not an option. But the reality is it is an option. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like you live in America, you live in the West, you, in many other cultures, too. I mean, d- divorce is always going to be an option. Yeah. So say, saying it isn't an option, even wanting to believe for you that it's not an option doesn't change the reality that it is. Or it could be, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So and here's the deeper problem, though, when I think about this is when you pretend divorce isn't an option, when you say divorce is not an option, you refuse to talk about it, you're less likely to address the problems that lead to divorce. And when that happens, you may be walking right into a situation that will end in divorce. If you think, hey, these don't need to be solved, that we're just going to get along and move forward, and you don't address them, then ultimately, divorce is still an option. And that could happen. Yeah. And it just as we're diving into this topic, you know, we, we like to quote Pastor Jimmy Evans on this because he always says that marriage done God's way has a 100% success rate every time. And if you're going through some troubles right now, whatever you're facing, it does not mean that that's going to be the end of your marriage. You two need to commit to each other and commit to doing marriage God's way. And you're going to have that 100% success rate if you're both able and willing to do that. And if you're listening right now and you feel like your marriage is dead, Mm. we worship a God of resurrection. That's right. We worship the God that raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 8, 11, Paul says, moreover, if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, The one who raised Christ from the dead will also make your mortal bodies alive through his spirit who lives in you. In context, Paul's talking about the power we as Christians have over sin and the evil powers of the world and those sins and the evil powers that are causing you to feel like your marriage is dead. You have power over them because the Holy Spirit is giving you that power to overcome sin and the powers of darkness that are killing your marriage. As a matter of fact, if this is you right now, if you feel like your marriage is dead, take a moment, pause this podcast and open up your Bible app or your Bible and read Romans 6 through 8. You have the power. Your marriage can be resurrected. And by God's grace, it will be when the two of you commit to doing marriage God's way. All right. So if you took a, a a break there, of course, the Lord has so much power from his spirit to offer you to be able to resurrect that marriage if you feel like your marriage is dead. But Brian and I also want to just be talking about what causes of divorce are. And we're going to take this from a little bit of a historical perspective to just give you some context. And the old view of the causes of divorce were money and sex. Isn't that interesting? Hear about that time and time again. The most common cause of divorce is 
money problems or the most common cause. And you, what I'd always heard when we were getting married, and even when we first started doing this podcast and writing the book, it was money and sex were the two mm-hmm. biggest problems in marriage. But recent studies are refuting that now. Matter of fact, those two in the most recent study I saw were actually, they were still in the top 10. There's still uh-huh. issues, but they were in the bottom five of the top 10, if that makes sense. And that, that's interesting that that's adjusted uh, so much over the, the decades. So what, what are the some of the statistics that, that you're seeing now as a top cause of divorce? So the number one cause of divorce now is lack of commitment. Okay, so is that adultery? So adultery was number two. Okay. So lack of commitment was listed as number one over adultery. Now, I would say for adultery, the two kind of go hand in hand. That's right. If you Guess what? If you've committed adultery, you have a lack of commitment. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of things going on there. And but a, but it, there doesn't have to be adultery for there to be a lack of commitment. Right. Okay. Um, another one was cited, and this was, um, it was not a Christian survey service. It was just general, which I think is more valuable for us, honestly. But anyway. Another one was we married too young. I think even that, though, we married too young. I think in a lot of Christian circles, a lot of couples rush into marriage because, well, they're trying to maintain a healthy purity, not in the sense of the purity lifestyle from the from the '90s and early 2000s. We've got another. We've read a lot about that and the problems with that. But more, they're trying to be honoring God with their bodies. Uh-huh. Yet they're feeling the sexual drive and sexual tension, and so oh oh I know I know we'll we'll get married so we can have sex, and what? that's what. <laughs> and so then, the marriage isn't on a firm foundation. Or for um, military families, a lot of young soldiers, sailors, airmen, guardians, marines, they'll get married young, to get out of the dorms or to get the additional money, or they think oh get this more is just money a good idea. okay, or they're dating and hey we've got this connection, but I'm about to PCS. The only way we're going to be able to continue PCS, this, like you're going to deploy, you're yeah. going to like move well, out of PCS, state or something? PCS, permanent change of station. Okay. So they're they're moving. It's not a deployment because then you're coming back. But this is, hey, I'm stationed at base whatever and I'm moving somewhere else. And the only way we're going to be able to continue our relationship is if we get married because the military's not going to pay for you to come with me unless we're married. Right. Okay. And so you see, but at the end of the day, the issue is a lack of commitment still. Even in those, we got married too young because maybe we weren't committed to marriage or committed to each other. Really, we rushed into it for whatever reasons. But both adultery and getting married too young, which were in the top five, are subsets, I think, of a lack of commitment. Right. And it, it seems like a lot of those, it, it's more scapegoats. Well, we were too young. It's almost like, oh, we're just going to dismiss, we're just going to just dismiss this as a, as just a bad choice or a bad idea of someone who was too immature to to get it. Right. And sometimes I think um, when we're looking at this lack of commitment, kind of what leads to that, I think when divorce isn't an option, you forget to focus on commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, so, oh, we're not going to get divorced. So that that commitment that um, the things we're going to talk about later in this podcast don't come up as much. Another thing is the meh marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just it's hard to be committed to something that's just meh. Right. It's just it's just not good. It's it's not bad, but it's just not good. Right. And, and, and some of it too, I think, is taking your spouse for granted. Right. You. Uh huh. Yeah. It's just you, they've always been there ever since we got married. They always will be there, and so I don't need to be committed to them. 
Yeah, and I think that that's the hard thing because you want to be comfortable around your spouse and you want your spouse to be comfortable around you, but you don't want it to just get into a rut or get so routine that that you're not um, displaying that commitment to each other, not just because I'm here and you're here and and we're we're still in a marriage in the same household together, but that you're treating each other well and treating each other with kindness and continuing to pursue each other romantically speaking and, and in your friendship even. Absolutely, 100%. And for some reason, it seems like, and I hear this more with younger couples, though I've heard from old couples that have been together for a while as well, or older, that there's this myth that commitment should just be easy. Mm. You know, if God wanted us to be together, then it wouldn't be so hard. Oh my goodness. That's a a problematic myth and that's nowhere in the Bible, friends. No, it's not. And the enemy and evil forces active in this world are actively fighting against you and your marriage. You know, anything worth having is generally not easy. True. You know, your career, if you want to do something well, it's not easy. And marriage is the same. It's not, oh my gosh, drudgery, but it does take work. Mm -hmm. And Jen, you like to say often, marriage works when you work it. That's true. I'd say even it only works when you work it. Yeah. And commitment is never easy. So for instance, think about the things you've been committed to, right? Law school. You Mm -hmm. were committed to that, right? I mean, you were committed to that since second grade, reading biographies of Abraham Lincoln. You were going to be a lawyer. Lock, stock, and barrel. Absolutely. And how easy was that? It was very difficult. And I I would say that that was my hardest educational experience ever. And there were a lot of times where I didn't like the culture of the law school. I didn't like a lot of the people there. I met two of my best friends there, which is great. But it it was just a really um, difficult time for me, even spiritually speaking, to an extent. And so really, I think that this formulation is actually backwards. And I just thought of this just now. So this may be horrible podcast material or maybe awesome. I don't know which. Um, probably Go for it, some, babe. Probably somewhere in the middle. Commitment isn't easy, but when you're committed, whatever you're doing is easier. Mm-hmm. You know, you've I'm committed to this. And when you're committed to your marriage, when you're committed to being a servant to your spouse and becoming one and dealing with those unexpectations and growing in holiness, when you're committed to those things, then it's the marriage is going to be easier to go through when you're not committed, when you're just like taking your spouse for granted or divorce isn't an option, so I don't need to work on this. It's just going to, we're just going to continue in this. That's when things are actually harder because you've set yourself up to not be prepared to fight the battles that you need to fight. Oh, that's that's very true. Something that I, I had uh, heard about in a business networking group that I'm a, a part of was the adage of it's cheaper to keep her because financially speaking, yes, it's cheaper to stay together as a couple and not get divorced. But to me, that doesn't mean you're just existing in a marriage because God doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want you to just have that met marriage or that bad marriage. He wants you to have that thriving marriage. So I really feel like that almost objectification there of cheaper to keeper. That's pretty awful. That's what I was thinking when you said Mm -hmm. that. It's like, it's so dehumanizing and it doesn't just have to be, I mean, it, because of the rhyme and because the law is misogynistic in a lot of ways, the profession of the law is and stuff, it's focusing on, well, it's cheaper to keep alive. But the same is true on the other side. If the, if a woman is like, well, it's just, I'm better off staying in this marriage because 
it's cheaper to keep him even though um, I'm the one making the money or I would just rather stay here because he's the primary breadwinner. It's objectification. You're treating your spouse like an object, not a person. And to me, that sounds like somebody who's quiet quitting the marriage where it's like they're just kind of resolved to... Eh, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm more comfortable in this lifestyle. I don't want to just split up assets. So I, I'm just going to hang here. So you're just kind of doing a bare minimum and checking out. And I think a lot of that can lead to lack of commitment, lead to uh, ultimately adultery, could ultimately lead to other things to check out on the marriage, whether it's expe- excessive spending or just focusing on yourself. And those things, of course, can lead to divorce too. And a lot of times then when you get into this lack of commitment, you start looking for reasons to not get divorced. Mm-hmm. But if you want a thriving marriage, your focus shouldn't be on reasons not to get divorced. Your focus should be on reasons you want to be married. That's right. Mm-hmm. Don't focus on the negative. Focus on the positive. I mean, that's something you learn in dealing with children all the time. You fo- if you focus on the negative, then there it's going to be a bad experience. You focus on the positive, and they're going to build this up. And you use that to in your own life as well. It's kind of a a brain hack. It's like focus on the positive. That's it. And I think your commi- commitment to your spouse is, is going to be one of those primary reasons to stay together. And if you find yourself it, it lacking in that commitment in some way, you might want to think back to that commitment you felt when you got married and really ask yourself, what has changed since then? And then in a very loving way, make sure that you're addressing those issues with your spouse. And usually those issues are going to be in you. Something you got to remember is in your marriage, the only thing you can change in your marriage is you. You cannot change your spouse. Mm -hmm. And so you need to focus on, before you start focusing on, well, he does this or he never does this or she does this or she, what's changed in your perspective? Are you still presuming goodwill in your spouse? Are you still striving to serve your spouse? Are you still looking to be the husband or wife that she married? And and sometimes too, guys, we've talked about this where it's like if there's adultery that's involved in in your your marriage, um, if there's any kind of abuse, you know, things like that. Sometimes you need some extra help from a licensed therapist and don't be afraid to to get that kind of a treatment uh, from that licensed therapist for yourself or, or as a couple. Because a lot of times issues that each of you are just dealing with in your, your own lives, in your own history, in your own past, that's going to pour over and affect the marriage as well. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Another thing about um, commitment, though, is when you got married in front of God and all those witnesses, you chose each other. Publicly, you said, I am choosing you, and your spouse said that they were choosing you, right? It's not enough, though, just to choose each other once. And just that's good enough. You need to choose each other every day, sometimes moment by moment. You need to make that conscious choice that, no, they are my spouse. I love them. I'm committed to them. I am choosing them. Just like God, his mercies are new every morning. He didn't choose you once and then, well, that's good enough. No, he continues to choose you. Every day, God is choosing you and God has something for you. You need to have that in your marriage. 
And you want to do things too that are showing that commitment to your spouse, even when you don't feel so committed in this moment. I I remember a a worship leader that, you know, Brian and I um, had worked with over the years, many, many years ago. I remember him even saying on a Sunday morning, sometimes I don't feel like getting up and worshiping God on a Sunday. And he just had a, a beautiful worshipful spirit and had a lot of excitement about worship. And I think some of that would be that he, as he's getting into that worship of the Lord, he, he got more into that and he understood what he was there for, even though he didn't feel it in that moment. And I think that, of course, we should not be worshiping our spouses, but just some of it is I don't feel like serving my spouse today, or I I don't feel like talking to my spouse today about this particular issue, but you need to show up. You need to get into that moment. And a lot of times making that choice to get into it, 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 it's a lot easier once you actually start uh, acting. Yeah. Feelings of commitment and real commitment are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Real commitment is action. Real commitment is a matter of fact. Feelings of commitment come and go just like feelings of happiness. That's contextual. Feeling commitment is contextual. Real commitment is permanent. And I think it's always important, too, to just remember that what the purpose of marriage is. We go back to this all the time, Brian, which is we're growing in holiness not happiness, because if you're pursuing the happiness, it's just not going to work out well for you because the happiness is circumstantial and it can kind of come and go. But if you're pursuing that holiness, you you are uh, amongst the benefits of of being happy and experiencing joy and other things. It's going to it's going to be what you need to pursue for you to enjoy these other things as well. If you are committed to your spouse, you will grow in holiness. If you are committed to your spouse, you will experience God's love through your spouse. If you're committed to your spouse, you will express God's love to your spouse. If you're committed to your spouse, you will extend God's love as a couple to the community around you. And that's what marriage is always intended to be. And I think it's the the actions in, in dealing with your spouse, but it, it's also making sure that you're getting a way to be able to uh, pray for your spouse yeah. and to pray for uh, your marriage and, and make sure that you're continually on your own as well as with your spouse, keeping God in the center of your marriage. Absolutely. And I would say that no matter how much you want to ultimately avoid divorce or how much you don't want this to ever be any kind of an option for you. Just the reality is divorce is always going to be an option. Um, It's throughout the the United States, we talk about the no fault divorce. I mean, you don't both have to even agree to it to have it go through. It can just be a one-sided thing. But really the best way to avoid divorce is to acknowledge that divorce is an option, and perhaps because it's an option, you need to be building that thriving marriage, and that thriving marriage has to be more desirable than divorce because you're focusing on the reasons that you have to stay married, and you're working daily to strengthen your commitment to each other. Thank you so much for listening, and please don't forget to rate this podcast and follow it on whatever podcast service you use. Thanks for joining us. Jen and I started Operation Thriving Marriage to help couples and churches take marriages from merely surviving to thriving. We've got our book, we've got a blog and resources for our coaching ministry, and you can bring us out for an Operation Thriving Marriage experience. For more information, go to OperationThrivingMarriage.com. That's OperationThrivingMarriage.com.